Hello and welcome back to Glassjaw Decade post-quarantine pre-normality totally resumes. I've taken a break from recording over the last few months because things have been pretty hectic with moving back to the UK, trying to keep up with workloads from my university in Spain and a workload from Bristol on top of that. And I also took on a role as the fashion editor at an online Bristol-based magazine called Intermission, which has been really cool. I also started a movement, WWB, which stands for Women Who Barbecue, because I realised that I'd never been to a single barbecue where an old man, a young man or a boy didn't take over the cooking. I also realised that I didn't personally know how to barbecue myself. However, that has now changed. I am a fantastic barbecuer and through WWB, I now promote the building of confidence among women barbecuers all over the world. I'm joking. So far, it's just anyone I meet and happen to start discussing the ins and outs of barbecuing with. Anyway, welcome back. Hello and bonjour. Today, I'm really excited about my guest. I've actually wanted Callum on Glassjaw decades since before this podcast was even close to a reality. He is one of the most delightful, motivated and talented people I know. He's a 21-year-old cinematographer and DOP, which means director of production, and has worked with a variety of very big names. My favourite being Rhiannon Lambert, who is an extreme well-known nutritionist, Polestar, Anthony Joshua, Microsoft, Four Seasons, the international luxury hospitality company. He actually flew out to Marrakesh to work on a project with them and also Naomi Smart. Callum has come from real humble beginnings, navigating this world of freelancing and client-based work completely off his own back. He's completely self-made, which is inspirational in itself. And this all came from a place of passion and basically sheer determination. And of course, some classic old trial and error which is basically what this podcast class your decade is all about. Looking at people in their 20s who are working towards goals, sometimes getting knocked down and picking ourselves back up again, ready to fight again and working out what success means to us on a personal level. So I hope you enjoy this. And will this work again? Oh my God, is that, it's working. Yeah, Callum. I don't think we should stop. I think we should just go. <laughs> and you're going to edit it out then? Yeah. Oh my god. Damn. We've just spent the last 45 minutes trying to make this work. <laughs> and now it is. Praise the Lord. Shalom. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for coming on my podcast. <laughs> Thank you, finally. It's been a long time coming. It's been 45 minutes. Yeah. Plus, plus weeks. Eight months. months yeah. Nine months. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. This is how I wanted to start the podcast. Yeah. By saying... Hola, Callum. Hola. <laughs> ¿Qué tal? Muy bien, gracias. ¿Y tú? Todo bien, todo bien. Bien. Let's start by, like, tell me a little bit about what you do, what you've done, what you hope to do. Right. So, I'm a filmmaker based out of London, uh, mainly a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with, mainly in the commercial sector, doing, like, travel, in, like, with travel industries, um, working with some technology industries like Microsoft. Um, yeah, I've worked with some pretty pretty cool clients over the last few years, traveling sort of from different places, doing like cool shoots and stuff. So yeah, it's been a journey. It's been, it's pretty cool, yeah. It looks like it's been a journey. It looks amazing. I always look at your pictures and I'm quite jealous <laughs> yeah. that you get to go to all these places. It sort of looks like that, doesn't it? It looks like I'm traveling like 24-7, but I'm really not. It's just the Instagram, like, illusion. Instagram is a mirage. Yeah, it's a mirage, <laughs> yeah. It's a facade. Fa- a facade. facade. <laughs> How did you get into what you do? Um... Well, I've always been filming, really. Like, I started filming when I was, like, 12 with a few of my best mates back in uh, school. And I started looking at, like, YouTube tutorials, um, like, how to edit and how to shoot. Yeah. And just generally how to raise production value. And then I just sort of fell in love with the whole process and then realised that you can actually make a living out of this and go to school for this. So I was like, why why not? Like, Why wouldn't I? I wasn't good at, like, science or maths, so I was always good at the creative stuff. Yeah. So I just said, yeah, I'll do this. And I sort of decided that when I was like 14. 14? Yeah, I was really young. I was like, I'm, doing, I'm getting into this industry, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I had no other choice. I was kind of bad at everything else. So. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's a matter of being bad at everything else. I think but, you're just really good at this. Mm. So why wouldn't you grab that opportunity and run with it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So how did you get your first paid job? How do you go from being a sort of novice who just like likes playing with cameras and making videos yeah. to someone who's, you know, being paid to deliver a quality product? It's it's quite it's quite scary. It's like um, trying to like understand it as like an, a novice, as you said it, like someone that's new to the industry. T- trying to like gather your first client is quite it's quite um, yeah, it's quite tough. 
like you don't really know where to start there's no right or wrong way to do anything in this industry i guess what happened was i got asked by a mate of mine to film his wedding um that wasn't paid but it was like you know for free and i i agreed of course because i had this good experience mm -hmm. and yeah so i decided to do his wedding and um so i shot his wedding and then i produced the film and i think his like sister-in-law saw the video and then wanted to pay me to do her wedding so uh, that was my I think proper first paid job yeah that was, was like your first foot in the door that was my first foot in the door yeah it was cool oh should we look it's yeah. the window oh yeah. my god are they doing building building works no, my didn't god. you tell them we were recording a podcast today <laughs> yeah she goes next, <laughs> next door like, mate excuse me I'm recording a podcast yeah, it's like they don't know I have to close this a bit so make a bit mm. vibey. Bit vibey, bit dark. Bit vibey. That's sick. You know, because that actually that we've spoken about this before. That's how that's what they um promote in Rich Dad Poor Dad doing your first job for free. Mm. And that's kind of like a good way in. Yeah. There's like also knowing your value because you can easily get stuck in doing stuff for free. Yeah. Um, which is actually terrible for yourself and for the industry. Because like, you know, if there's always gonna be companies looking for someone that can do it cheaper. So if you can do it for free, it puts people that are you know, charging for their services sort of out of business in a sense. So Yeah, but also I also think that if you're doing it for free then I don't know how much I would trust a free product. Yeah. I kind of there's that there's this idea what's it called? It's called like luxury marketing where mm -hmm. where luxury hotels charge more than they actually need to to make you sort of believe that what you're paying for is yeah. is this much nicer. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Well it's the same like the fashion industry, you know, like you pay yeah. five hundred pounds for a coat. But then next season you see it in TK Maxx for fifty pounds because yeah. it's out of date. Out and, of date. And iPhones as well. Yeah, they make those iPhones, iPhones yeah. for like ten dollars or something. Yeah, we, exactly. we pay it's loads. It's all an illusion. It's like if you like, there are companies that will always look for someone to do it for free because they don't understand the whole yeah. sort of you pay what you, you pay for what you, you know you get. Um, but there are some companies that would rather go for someone charging five grand than someone charging five hundred because there's an illusion. Uh, like with that the person charging five grand is going to mm. give you much higher value and sort of a security because you know you're paying for it like good money yeah so there's like a security involved with that whereas if you pay 500 you don't know you, something might happen and or like it won't be up to scratch or but, so how do you corners. how do you decide how much you're gonna like how did you decide how much you were going to charge people because sort of mm. going from being someone who just likes to make videos to someone who's being paid to make videos. Yeah. How do you decide what your worth is? Have you like, is it like increased over time or have you just always charged an extortionate amount or not very much? <laughs> um, no, it's, it's definitely incre I, it increases like, I, I reckon every five months. Um, okay. Sometimes by like a big jump, sometimes by like not that much. Uh, it kind of depends on how busy you are. Cause yeah. if you're really busy then, and someone asks you for a job, and you've already got so much going on, you might as well charge more than what you usually do. Because then mm. if they say yes, you get a lot more out of it, mm. um, but you'd be busier. Yeah. But then if there's no work and you're charging too much, that's maybe your reason why you have no work. And you yeah. should probably charge a bit lower to start generating work again. So it's like a fine balance, like trying to find like an amount people will value and pay for and an amount people that, you know, sort of like, every, you don't want to charge something that everyone will then jump on you at. And mm. like you then know you're not providing yourself like you're not doing yourself justice for the work you're giving so and how, how do you advertise yourself like where are you finding your clients um well i first started up by emailing um people just cold emails oh what were you would you like find someone you kind of wanted to work with and you'd be like hello my name is yeah. Callum. can i please take a picture of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah well kind of like for example i wanted to get into the travel industry at first like just traveling around and making like tourism videos um and hotel videos mm -hmm. and i I think I, yeah, I started cold emailing like hotels and tourism boards. Um, I'd email probably like 20 of them. Um, and then like two would get back to me, which is actually pretty decent. Like yeah. usually no one gets back to people, but um, yeah, like two or three get back to me and then maybe one um, gets through. Well, like for Morocco, for example, I, well, I wanted to go to Morocco with my girlfriend for like our second year anniversary. And I also found these hotels that I kind of really wanted to work with. Um, and also Marrakesh is such like an, an artsy city, like a, a unique city that I wanted to capture. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to just, you know, capture it. And so I emailed all these hotels um, and Four Seasons got back to me, which was a surprise. And this other hotel called um, Riyadh Dior also got back to me. Riyadh Dior? Riyadh Dior, yeah. Oh, right. A very traditional hotel. And we shot for both of those hotels there. So that's kind of what I do is like cold emails 
um, I used to do that, but now mostly clients come to me. Yeah. Um, like email me or find me through like recommendations, and that all came from talking, you know, getting myself out there initially, and then word of mouth spreading my name around and then coming back to me in a sense. Yeah, I found like with things that I've done, um, I don't know whether you can relate. You have to really put yourself out there mm, and yeah. actually just be sort of swallow your pride and be a bit brave and be like, I want to do this. Are you interested yeah. in helping me? Um, yeah. And then just see what comes back to you. Yeah, I think the initial like thought process you have with going into this is that oh no one's going to go back to me no one wants to work with me like sort of quite pessimistic because yeah like you shouldn't ever expect anyone to reply really but I think you'll be surprised by how many people are actually interested and actually would get value out of working with you as well yeah I mean Four Seasons is pretty cool I like yeah they're, they're expensive hotels to stay at yeah, yeah and they're yeah. also an international luxury brand hotelier yeah. So that's really cool. I wanted to talk to you about um, like harder times and how you've like overcome different challenges and I don't know knocks along the way and how you've yeah. sort of recovered from them. And yeah, I, I guess like looking back at some stories when I first started in the wedding stuff. Yeah. I always had two cameras on hand during the ceremony because the ceremony can only be done once and yeah. you can't repeat that <laughs> at all. Hang on guys, 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 can we just do this again? I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I missed the shot, yeah, please kiss again. Yeah, so like this happened twice in, like, in a row with two different weddings. I had two cameras rolling and I was manning one camera and the other camera was just off to the side getting a wide view of everyone, Yeah. Uh, like constantly recording. And I was at the front, um, they were about to kiss and for some reason, my camera does this thing sometimes, maybe when the SD card is, the read and write speeds aren't quite quick enough for the camera to record onto. Yeah. So it records only for maybe 10 seconds at a time. Um, and it was getting quite heated up. And they were about to kiss, and then it started doing this thing where it counts down on your screen. It literally does a countdown, like oh five, <laughs> four, three, before it stops recording for you. And I'm like, shit, like, this is, this is going to yeah. cut recording. So I missed the kiss on my camera, which was like the front view, like nice and cinematic. I missed it. But it's like luckily, quite a pivotal part of the ceremony. Yeah, pretty, pretty big part of the ceremony, yeah. <laughs> but I had the other camera cover that. But I, I sort of just like learned, it's, it's quite hard to learn from this scenario because like you never know when an SD card is going old and like slow mm. until it's happened to you. And unfortunately it happened to me at the worst possible time in a job. Were you like standing so, there like three, two, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I kind of was just like, yeah, I'm still recording. <laughs> yeah, it's still sort of acting like it's still happening. Showbiz. Yeah, it's exactly, <laughs> you know, fake it till you make it, really. Um, another one, like a more recent one, was um, I did a job for Polestar with a photographer, a friend of mine called Jack Harding. Yeah. Um, and this was, you know, like they were doing commercial photography for Polestar, and I was meant to do like a commercial video. Um, and it was basically introducing the hybrid like supercar yeah. that they just released into the world. So I think there's only like a hundred of them made or something, or five hundred of them. It's made, an amazing like video. I watched it yesterday actually. Oh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's awesome. It looks so slick. It makes the yeah. car look really cool. <laughs> I mean, the car does half the job. The car is is, is awesome. But yeah. um, there is this feature in this car which is um, it's called a pure the pure mode, mm. which is pure electric drive. Um, and you have like a display where it shows all the different drive modes Like you have the 4x4, pure mode, hybrid, sports mode, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to capture like, cause they wanted, the whole essence was it is that you can drive pure mode in the city. And then if you want to do a bit of a sporty drive, you just switch, switch it to sports mode, you know? Yeah. Um, but I forgot to, cause it, it was such a quick shoot. I forgot to capture pure mode being selected in the city, um, oh. which is like a pivotal part of the whole campaign. So, um, like, when I sent them the video, that was they said everything was great, except these two things, which were, the first one was pure mode, where is it? Like, we can't see pure mode. Um, and I was like, like this ah. is the whole point of the video. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh shit, I like messed up. So I was thinking of ways I can go around it. We like contacted Volvo dealerships, because they were, I think they're owned by Volvo. And um, I said, oh, maybe there's a car I can go film just the interior screen of, and they maybe have the same screen, but, all cars that had the different a different screen so i thought okay great i need to find out the font that they use in this screen um and i need to recreate the screen on my laptop and then recreate the screen on my laptop in like some cgi software and then go into my car so i get like the car shadows in the yeah. back i re-rented the camera that i shot it with and then i went into my car and i recorded like pure mode being like selected like artificially oh and, like basically 
and then it was like a close-up and then I put it into the video like color graded it correctly and like fitting like smoothly and like no one noticed and then the second part this was this was the really scary one which was um when we were driving the there's a point in the video where he switches to sports mode uh -huh. um, and everything was available except the pure mode because pure except mode wasn't pure mode. yeah of course <laughs> yeah, yeah super yeah, pure classic. mode like classic yeah <laughs> But pure mode wasn't available because the car didn't have enough charge because we'd been driving around the whole Highlands. Oh, and it's, um, and it's totally um, you electronic. It. Yeah, you can't use pure mode, exactly. So, but when you can't use pure mode, it blanks out. There's no pure mode available, but it has a gap, which is awkward. Um, and of course, you can't really have that in a commercial video. Yeah. So I had to, again, recreate the pure mode like text with the right font and then like create a CGI plane I had to relearn all, I don't know how to do CGI I had to learn all of this in like a Starbucks stressing myself out losing my hair and I had to like track this CGI like pure mode like text onto this screen as it's moving about and um, yeah somehow it worked it took me like six hours oh and gosh. I was like pulling my hair because I didn't know this would work and if it didn't work this video couldn't go up yeah. and you know I, I wouldn't get paid it ruins a relationship with Pulsar which is a great client yeah um amazing that you got them yeah exactly. or did they get you well they came to jack and then jack came to me because they wanted a video so yeah. oh. so it kind of came like word of mouth all the way around and then now i have a relationship with them and jack and so it's really cool but i could have easily ruined jack's and my relationship like oh my it was really bad so you rely quite heavily on word of mouth and sort of mm. like um client-based relationships yeah exactly yeah uh, i said how did you like learn how to have professional relationship and learn like the importance of these yeah you know. it's hard I, I don't really know how to answer that because like i mean it's you need to be extremely friendly because that's how people sort of recommend you i guess like you could be the best filmmaker on earth but if you're just a prick then no one's gonna recommend you or work with you again yeah um well. they'd rather work with someone that's like nice um and good like you kind of have to have that balance but then also like there's it's like having a it's like having a friendship like you build this friendship with a client but also you have a lot of the, the negotiation side of it where you know cost comes in and pricing which can easily like kind of ruin a friendship yeah like so, how do you go from being sort of friendly and approachable and then being like but seriously mum you need to pay me this much <laughs> <laughs> yeah just be like i have, I have five brothers-in-law <laughs> yeah. um nah it's it's quite complicated i guess it's because you, you always think about this, but once you're in the like, professional world, everyone's really professional about it. Yeah. Like when pricing come, becomes involved, everyone just becomes like, you know, professional about it and they understand it, that there's no emotion involved. Like, and as soon as one person gets emotional, it's, it's just, just going tits up. So I think everyone just treats it as it is. And you're all just trying to help each other at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and if they find, if they think you're screwing them, then they'll probably leave and Oh, yeah, I won't so, want to work with you again, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Or they'll just tell you straight up, like, oh, that's too much. Yeah. And you have to, like, negotiate with them, like, another price, maybe. But it is really complicated. Like, you just, you, you, can, you can't really learn it by watching, like, a YouTube video. <laughs> what? Are you, are you joking? Yeah, yeah, you can't. <laughs> Something you can't learn on YouTube. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> well, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, it's all through just experience. You have to, you have to go through it, like. And even like I'm still learning now. Like I'm reading an, a book about negotiations just to get better at it because it's so easy to undervalue yourself. And yeah. like a client is like, oh, it's too much. Can we do this? And rather than trying to find like a middle point, you'd be like, it's easier to be like, oh, okay, now, nah, okay, I'll do it for your, the price you suggest. But, you know, there's always that middle point that you can bargain for. Uh, so I heard Julia, Julia told me yeah. that you once sat on a bus for 10 hours to go for a coffee with someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I already mentioned his name, so Jack Harding. Oh, okay, so this is Jack. Yeah, this is the Jack. Coffee yeah. So, yeah, so I was, I was sort of chatting with a mate, he was also a filmmaker, mm -hmm. and he initially got in contact with Jack. I think he just DM'd Jack on Instagram and was like, hey so dude. So who, who is Jack? Jack is a, like, a, basically, a, he's a pretty well-known commercial photographer. Okay. And with like a large Instagram following. Yeah. Like really, really skilled guy, really cool guy. Um, and, yeah, so he had this huge follow on, in, on Instagram and we loved his work. And so he was down to meet us in Edinburgh because that's where he lives. Yeah. So we couldn't afford to get the train um, and we couldn't afford to go for more than like really one day. So we had to yeah. get an overnight coach, which was 11 hours to Edinburgh. And we got there at like 7 a.m. 
and we went to sleep in a Costa. We tried to do work, like email and pe- people and stuff. Yeah. But we ended up just sleeping in Costa because he was only free from like 3 p.m. Right. So we had to spend a lot of like time just walking around Edinburgh doing nothing. How old were you at this point? Uh, this was a year and a half ago, so it wasn't that oh. long. It wasn't that long ago at all. Oh right, so things have only actually recently just really picked up. Well, it was picking up quite like a lot back then, but yeah. it wasn't the stuff I was necessarily wanting to do, like the commercial cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but things were definitely picking up back then. But this is like a big like sort of stepping stone was meeting him. Yeah. Um, so. We took this 11-hour coach, spent a few hours in Edinburgh, then met him at like 3 p.m. or something. Mm. And he was really cool. We chilled with him. We went to back to his. We had like a GNT. Um, <laughs> not a tangerine brew dog. Not a tangerine blue <laughs> brew dog, indeed. <laughs> um, and then we had to catch another 11-hour overnight coach at like 9. That's rough. So, and he, it was annoying because he was like, oh, you guys should stay in with Google go on a night out. And I, it was, I think it was like Father's Day the next day or oh, something. Damn and I was like, it. <laughs> I, I've got like plans, um, but I would have done it. And he was like, guys, just send me your videos as you keep creating. Um, I'm always looking for people to work with. So that's what I did. I just sort of sent him the Four Seasons video after I did that. Yeah. And he was like, that's awesome. I want to work with you. Are you free for these shoots coming up? Um, and I wasn't, it was, it was cool because he had a few things in like, I think he was going to Kyrgyzstan or something Kyrgyzstan it's like yeah like an awesome country it sort of just looks like out of this world like Mars pretty much it's like just desert land but like really quite like mountainous and whatnot like yeah. it's just it's crazy Gosh, I've never heard of that place no I can't even tell you how it's spelled <laughs> like it sounds it's just a whirlwind it's like would you recommend for a holiday it's <laughs> kind of holiday <laughs> if it's just you want a lot of walking yeah yeah but if you want to relax on a beach definitely not relax on a sort of dusty dusty ground desert ground yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah but i wasn't free for that but then i was free for a couple of shoots after and the second shoot i did with him was polestar and then that's when oh you did that with him yeah because he was a photographer that they came to uh, like they came to his agency and were like we also want a video and jack doesn't do video but he has video guys that he works with like so he you came to me. yeah ah and now like that that job sort of solidified like I guess like this That's relationship with yeah. Jack where he comes to me if they need videos and if I'm free of course um, so also, that's a really really good thing that you put yourself out yeah it was 10 out was 10 awesome. out or 20 hours on coach yeah it, it was awesome like, did you make it back for Father's Day I did I good. did indeed good boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I couldn't upset my dad no of course not <laughs> but yeah that, that was that's a cool story but, that's um, sick yeah that was a big big moment I think yeah so oh. yeah Good boy. Jackie boy. <laughs> Do you ever find it hard not to put your own spin on someone else's vision, like a director's vision? Because, hmm. but I mean, I suppose it is kind of like if you contact someone and you want to get a tattoo and they're kind of like, they want to put their, you choose them because you like their style. Exactly, it's a style, right? Yeah. So yeah, it is kind of like that. Because um, a director comes to me and my job is to kind of put a spin on their vision. Right. Like, that is kind of my job. There are directors that do not want that, and they have an exact, like... Yeah. Like the Microsoft the Microsoft thing you've done. Yeah. That's not really your style. No, no, exactly, yeah. Yeah, because that was a completely different, like, sort of way of shooting, really. Mm. It was like, it didn't, it wouldn't have suited my style initially. Yeah. Um, and it was just ways to experiment with different, like, mediums um, and different ways of shooting, yeah. But, like, for example, I have this short film coming up with um, a, a director called Vanessa, like really talented director. And um, she she puts a lot of trust in me, like, and in my style in a way. So she has this vision, but she puts a lot of trust in all her crew to create it for her. So it's like, she fully trusts like my lighting choices. Like she'll give me exactly an idea of what she wants, like how she wants it to look, like whether it should be like quite grungy or contrasty or light and airy. Mm. Um, but she usually puts a lot of trust in me. And it is kind of like my job. Like she comes to me with a story, then I have to interpret that story and then convey it in my style that also suits her style, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's does quite that, weird. Does it take a lot of planning? Do you have to sort of just, do you have a conversation? Do you have the conversation mm. and then go away and think, how am I going to do this? Yeah. And then sort of meticulously plan it? Or do you kind of? So, sometimes it kind of depends. Like with the shoot coming up with Vanessa, um, we've got an editor for that because this is like quite like a bit of a bigger shoot mm. um, like we're working with like massive cameras and like crews and stuff um, how long is the video gonna be 
Well, it's a short film, so it's only like five minutes, but it's like really like professionally done. Like, yeah. I think the camera we're using is the same camera that shot in like 1917. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the one that was in cinemas about, I think, World War One or something. Yeah. Um, I think that, didn't that come out just before coronavirus? Yeah, like yeah. a good few months, I think. But um, that camera cost like 60 grand just for the... Uh, body i don't think i've ever touched anything that costs 60 oh maybe i can when i put when i walk down the street (laughs) slide it slid your hand down the bonnet (laughs) yeah that is nerve-wracking because it's 60 grand just for this body yeah and then you rig up with a lens that costs 20 grand like just for one lens and then and then you drop it and then i drop it (laughs) oops insurance (laughs) um no and once it's fully rigged out you're looking at you know a kit that costs upwards of like 120 150 grand does it sort of glow with riches? Yeah. I thought that, you know. <laughs> yeah, so the editor that's doing that for us, um, he is at, he edits for, well, he's done like Mission Impossible, Skyfall, I think he did Skyfall, uh, but like he's done like loads of stuff, yeah. like huge things, like Kingsman. Oh, like, love he, it. He's got a mad TV. So he's friends with Vanessa, so luckily he's the editor for this. Yeah. Um, and he has Are you his, connected on LinkedIn? I don't know if we're connected on LinkedIn, but I'm Facebook friends with him. Actually, yeah. better than LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, I've had like I'm like good mates with him. Like I had a whiskey with him at his house. He lives you in Northampton. Like oh. he lives like really close. So you could even walk there. I could walk there. Or yeah. walk home after your whiskey. Yeah, after my whiskey, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and like it was quite nice because he, uh, I was he was like, oh, do you want some whiskey? And I was like, yeah, because he's a big whiskey lover. And he pours me some whiskey, and he was like, oh, this is the nice one because I think we'll be working closely in the future. And I was like, oh man, I'm chuffed. Did you <laughs> blush? I did blush. I kind of fell in love a little bit. <laughs> that's, so, that's so nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. To, he's a really cool guy though. He's like a big joker. Um, yeah, like humble, nice guy. Yeah. So, Aww. but yeah. You know, I want to meet him. <laughs> he's really cool. Like, he's really cool. So, oh, I know. I saw something on your, on your website. Oh, yeah. when I was having a little research because <laughs> um, I don't know you well enough already <laughs> um, which said it was a quote that said you don't take a good photograph you make it yeah do you want to talk a bit about that yeah so this guy so th- this is obviously not my quote but let me yeah. find the guy so the guy that sort of I think created this quote his name is Ansel Adams um, and I think the quote he said is that like, you don't take a photograph you make it and I sort of just said you don't take a good photograph you make it um, and that's not to say that you sp- you spend like hundreds of hours on Lightroom or Photoshop like you know editing everything out of it and yeah. like, putting in a fake sky and stuff like not at all it's more about the planning and the timing and also the years of learning about how to take a good photograph like why and why and how you compose a certain scene yeah um, and like why you shoot at a certain time like, but, how, you- but how did you learn all that because I yeah. mean we went like we went to school together yeah we, yeah we didn't learn that stuff at school nah that's nah, for sure we didn't, for sure um what did you, did you do like annie lebovitz's masterclass, which i always see advertised online oh, no. No, i've never i've never i've only bought one course which was by alex stroll which he's a photographer oh, right. um, and he, he discussed the more business side of it which was actually really good to know but um it was mostly just youtube um <laughs> and like just watching videos about why you shoot in certain lights like why you compose a certain way mm-hmm. just spending like i would watch like good like three or four YouTube videos a night like and I still do like just learning about new sort of ways of shooting and new cameras new lenses why certain things are shot the way they are and knowledge is power yeah exactly yeah exactly um, you should put that on your website I should put that on my website front front cover yeah <laughs> um, yeah it's it's just the it's the years of learning really yeah. um, and like the, the just the hiking and if you some people hike for like days to get to a certain spot to take one photograph yeah so you'd never know that looking at pictures now I always imagine that it's just sort of no yeah drone or something no exactly like you never like it's it's actually pretty tough like there are certain like you know you see this photograph and it's so serene and looks nuts and you just want to be in that exact same position but to get there you need to hike and you need to like you're like dying and you have a backpack which is 25 kilos full of camera gear yeah and things are like not as glamorous and it could be super windy or you can get to the top and then the sun is like gone maybe it's too cloudy Mm. and you can't even get the shot you want to i actually had that experience when i went to germany with a couple mates that i met like is this the bavaria bavaria germany bavaria germany yeah i love that video 
Oh, that, oh, yeah, that was it's pretty It's so cool. like eerie and like cold and yeah. but smooth. It was random that yeah. video, yeah. Like I, I just shot these, I just shot clips um, when I was there, not intending to create like a video out of it. Really? Yeah, but then like- You'd never know looking at that video. Exactly, but um, then just looking through the clips and editing them together, um, and the whole coronavirus thing came around and like this idea of isolation and people being by themselves and not being able to see others, that idea just sort of came into my head. And it's, it just, yeah, it just like crawled in. <laughs> um, and it just suited the whole video. There was like, you know, you're by yourself in like, uh, you know, a frozen place, like where nothing really lives. Um, and- So dark. It is quite dark. Like, and I hired a voice actor to kind of do an impersonation like Matthew McConaughey. How um, interesting! Yeah, yeah, he was actually really good. I, I thought he was like actually, I actually thought that it wasn't him, and he just used like snippets of Matthew because it was that, it was that impressive. Yeah. Oh my god, where did you find this guy? On Fiverr. On Fiverr? Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did on Fiverr. It was like forty quid, and I, I got this voiceover of him, and people honestly thought it was from a film that Matthew did. I even convinced. I told my mate. I was like, "Oh yeah, what do you think of this?" I. Uh, my dad's like best mate is good friends with Matthew so I asked Matthew if I can like use him quickly for this and he was like yeah sure dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure he was dude. like what <laughs> yeah. he wouldn't say dude he'd say man yeah oh, he's sure, so man. cool though. <laughs> his voice is so cool um, but yeah like for example we went to Germany um, with these mates I met across the world on different shoots um, and I really got on with and we just created yeah. this group chat to go and we Stop. spent yeah, yeah. <laughs> that voice? yeah I can't remember we had a funny group chat name I can't remember it now but um, we went to Germany for four days and we got an Airbnb in a car and we like drove up to the mountains um, but like the sun never came out it was like it did look really dark super dark and super foggy which was so, so annoying like we wanted to get this like contrast with the sun coming in and the frost and the snow but then it created its own set of like mood and like mm. images that I think I, I actually really love now like some of the ones where we walked in this frozen lake uh, where it was a quite famous lake as well where most people like we've met a few photographers there but um, there's this one shot everyone gets but I guess because it was so cloudy we couldn't get the typical shot everyone else gets but we sort of created something different which is I think uh. quite key and we learned a lot from it but of course as soon as we drove away like back to the airport it was like really nice weather like of course. we saw the we saw in the distance these like light rays coming through trees which would have been incredible to capture that is but so irritating i know it, it always happens it always happens oh, why don't you just stay an extra day uh, i mean i was down for it but i think someone had like other like um was it father's day again it probably was father's <laughs> day you know what i mean <laughs> I, had to, I had to go back for my dad <laughs> daddy yeah so yeah. That, like there are always like everything on like everything you see online like instagram on your website it always seems quite perfect but it's getting there is the hardest part yeah um, and the learning and the and the experience behind it all is what makes that photograph not the the finger that took it at that time do you know what i mean yeah yeah that's fascinating it's quite cool yeah my dad actually used to be a photographer really um yeah he was a wedding photographer before everything went digital Oh, he's on film. Yeah, and he Damn, had like I respect for that. That's hard. Yeah, I think he liked it because it was kind of like a craft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it still sure. is, but it's just different it's now. It's completely different. Yeah. Um, and he sub darkroom, and it, he did the most beautiful photos actually. It's yeah. actually incredible. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. capture this sort of emotion, I think. Yeah. From, like, and it, it's sort of timeless. Yeah. In a way, like this timeless feel, like you can't, like you can't edit it to an extent that you can with a digital photo now. It's sort of just like as soon as you press that shutter it's ingrained into the image now like it is what it is at that so moment cool. in time which is nice because it never it doesn't always come out perfect but it has this characteristic to it yeah which yeah i think that's why so many people slap on filters of like retro grain and like burns. Back. yeah it's Bring like they want to have this everyone's just trying to emulate film like it's even like in in f the film industry um they're trying to make digital cameras appear like film cameras yeah, it's bizarre. We come so far, and yet we just want we just keep looking back yeah. over our shoulder. Yeah, like Christopher Nolan. I'm pretty sure he only shoots with film, right? Like IMAX cameras, which cost like I think that's millions. quite iconic, isn't it? Yeah, and he only shoots film. Like it's it's actually nuts, and but that's why it looks incredible. Like if you look at his films, it has this certain texture and look to it that digital cameras have come very close to replicating. But there's only so much you can do, you know. Yeah, and now we sort of have these people that take what thousands of the pictures of the same image 
Yeah. And then yeah. pick the best one. Exactly, yeah. It's very different. It's kind of like a cheat, isn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, you only need to buy like a, a 80 pound, 128 gigabyte SD card and you can take like 3,000 images. Yeah. And you'll have at least one that's in focus. And it goes well. I <laughs> at hope, least anyway, one. At least one. <laughs> one would be perfect. <laughs> um, oh, what has been your most exciting project and why? Mm. Have you done a project that's like really got you going got me going definitely um there's a couple so there's a couple coming up yeah um and the the polestar one for sure was the best one so far that one is very cool yeah just because it was like car commercial like let alone a supercar uh also hybrid supercar um and it was sort of just like they trusted me completely with the vision and like they had an idea about the story but it was mainly up to me to like sort of create it and like create this story and make mm -hmm. everything into reality so that was like awesome and also like hanging out of the boot of like a um an assistant car going oh. at like 70 miles an hour um <laughs> with the snow and everything was just was like awesome um had a few close calls but <laughs> like yeah like, there was once where we went over a bump and the boot nearly like came right down on my head like nice. swinging down yeah and it stopped like just above my head luckily oh, that kind of thing makes me a shiver yeah like they're always close calls like that but that was like for sure my favorite project just like in terms of like cinematic quality yeah. it was like for me that was my favorite what but, about um, what about working with anthony joshua yeah that was cool that was really cool um so yeah like we were asked to come on he was doing something with this football academy called rising ballers mm -hmm. um and I had gotten in contact with him through a mate who had kind of been acting as like my agent and we worked closely together on some projects. Um, and mm -hmm. they invited us onto the set and asked us to like sort of create this promotional video. Um, it was like EA Sports, FIFA and Anthony Joshua and Rising Ballers. And it was, like, that was awesome. Like meeting Anthony Joshua was kind of surreal. Like just walking into set and then seeing him just chilling there on an interview like ah uh, that was Yo, what's nuts. Up? You, know, and, uh, you had to act calm like everyone's fanboying but everyone's acting super calm acting like he's a regular old guy <laughs> like and i was just like yo what's up aj <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but inside i was like ah shit that was awesome um and at the end i shook his hand and like his fingers just came up halfway up my forearm like his hand is huge and he is like six foot like six or something like it was just awesome he's and he a proper two meter boy yeah he's a two meter like yeah boy big boy <laughs> and we were kicking ball with him for a bit as well at the end like he's he's a really he's a really jokes guy um, that was in terms of like you know celebrity profile that was the biggest one I've done I don't know Rihanna Lambert's pretty up and coming Rihanna is up Naomi and coming Smart, yeah. if Naomi Smart if you're into yeah. that kind of thing yeah she's really cool they're, I only met her once though on like a quick shoot with a production company for them but yeah she, they're, they're both like lovely like I work closely with Rihanna as well mm -hmm. so she's probably my favourite person that you work with really yeah, yeah, yeah. just because I really to meet like her, her one day I know I really want day. to maybe we'll be on her podcast one day maybe we'll or maybe interview her maybe we'll interview her that'd be awesome she'd actually love that you know that yeah i would love that i think i would love that more than she would love that <laughs> so one of the big parts of this podcast is like demonstrate like giving examples of times when it was when you when it seemed a little bit like what you're doing is a little bit impossible mm. but you sort of pick yourself back up and keep going and don't act like the snowflake generation that we are where we can't yeah. stick at anything yeah. and as soon as we fall down we just stay down and don't try yeah, again we, we cut it yeah so do you want to talk about a little bit more about when you started out okay yeah so um i kind of what was it i was about to go to leeds university because yeah. um i think everyone like my best mates were going there and there was a film course there it wasn't any good but i was like oh yeah i'll go to leeds um i wanted you to come to bristol yeah but i had a bristol offer, you like yeah. teased with the idea of it and offer, i was really it wasn't excited. gonna happen it was film studies it was like yeah it wasn't even filming so but like, yeah, like my mates were going to the Leeds and I was like, yeah, why not? Um, and that's when I got back into um, contact with my ex at the time. <laughs> and also I just had this gut feeling that Leeds wasn't my place. Like there was no place, there was no like thing for me to do there. You gut feeling? Gut feeling, yeah. I, I, did, I knew that before I got back with my girlfriend. I just think, I, I even like toyed with the idea, like I got to my dad and I'll be like, oh, how do you feel about me taking gap here? And he was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and my mum was like, well, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Um, so I kind of pulled the trigger and I canceled, I canceled all my offers. 
um, and I just decided to take a gap year to just work and like try and make something of it. Um, and I started first as a laborer and a construction site uh, that my uncle was running. Um, and that was just horrible, just, yeah. Because it was like classic Irish uncles that take the piss out of you and whatnot. So it was good fun, but I, I'm not, I did like two weeks and I was like, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. Like this is Adios. a waste of my time, yeah. Um, and then I went to M&S. I worked as a sales assistant in M&S part-time, basically trying to generate enough income to buy the camera stuff I wanted to get and travel and make videos. Um, and so, but that's quite hard because I think a lot of people get stuck in this whole, oh, I'm making money now. If I worked more days in MS, I'd make, I don't know, a grand and a half a month and I could do well. I, you know, I can put up with this. It's not that hard. Mm. I think a lot of people get stuck in that. And, and then they stop doing the creative love. thing that they love doing. Yeah. So they, they stunt their growth there. Exactly. Completely. For their growth at MS. Yeah. And like you become a manager and you maybe earn yeah. 30 grand a year and then maybe oh, you can become so a store tricky. manager. But it's like, you get stuck in this comfortable lifestyle of like you have this income you don't have to worry about your own business your own mm. clients your own whatever um and i just sort of told myself i'd never do that so i constantly kept myself as part-time even taking like days off if i asked my managers they were really nice to let me do that and um i just went and worked and i had my first wedding job um mm. a few months after starting m and um and that was a funny job because that was my first proper j job and weddings are scary because like you only have yeah like we talked about earlier we only have one like shot at getting this like scene done correctly like yeah. there's no other chance so the night before I was like I think shitting myself a bit <laughs> and I couldn't sleep first of all and I also wore the same clothes that I would wear for the wedding the next day because I wanted to give myself the opportunity to sleep as much as possible and get up at like, the last minute because you couldn't sleep yeah I just was I wanted to have enough like time to try and sleep so I wore like my suit <laughs> to, like, in bed. to bed <laughs> yeah. so you lying there like this is lovely this is nice I'm so hot <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so hot I'm I look sweating. so good I never slept looking so good <laughs> yeah. yeah um that was a weird time and i got up and i regretted that because like i can't it just wasn't you just good i can't look, was it but also you don't like part of the joy of getting dressed in the morning is that you, it's like get ready you feel fresh and you feel like you've gone through the yeah. motions of getting ready yeah i didn't feel fresh no i bet <laughs> I you didn't, didn't you probably fresh. felt so rubbish yeah do you still wear your Do you still wear your clothes to, to bed for a, shoot. For, for a shoot before you go to bed and then no, so you wake no. up dressed? <laughs> Unless I go naked to a shoot, no. <laughs> no, no. Nah, nah, no, not at all. That was a stupid decision. Um, it was only because like I had to be up before the bride and the groom to prepare everything and get to their house whilst they're getting ready. Yeah. Which is like sometimes some people start at like seven a.m. How do you like, get? Why? But you can't be at the bride's house and the groom's house. Oh uh, yeah, like what do you do? That's, yeah, what do I do? <laughs> uh, that's well, that's sometimes complicated because um, so sometimes it's been nice. So a few of the jobs I've had the bride and the groom right next to each other in different rooms, mm. um, or like just like around the corner. And another job, it was like a forty-minute Uber between each one, right. um, and I didn't really know enough people like uh, filmmakers back then to hire a camera assistant that can I can trust solely as like capturing this stuff. So I'd work with my girlfriend or like her brother as to capture like the necessity. And if I can get to the both houses, I, I would, because I yeah. want to try and keep everything consistent. Um, but there's been a few times I couldn't. So I just say, make sure you get these key things. And I would go to the bride's house because that's the most important one. Like that's the, yeah. the most detail is there. The, dad seeing the bride the groom's house is just easy it's like the guys messing around a bit putting on shoes ties on shirts sh and then maybe some pictures at the end it's pretty simple say cheese say cheese yeah <laughs> oh what do you say when you when you see pictures like that just out of curiosity <laughs> i say three two one that's so boring i know yeah but i can't do the whole you gotta work say on that cheese. <laughs> say cheese i did my granny always goes everybody say lesbian lesbian <laughs> and we all just look at her like I did one where, what was it? When I was shooting a couple, I'd be, I said something like, I want the groom to whisper into the bride's ear five of his favorite vegetables. What? <laughs> yeah, because this was in the candid photos. Like, 
like when you want them all laughing, like just between the bride and the groom, like quite nice, like walking and stuff. And because it was always so awkward, they end up laughing, but it's genuine laughter. And so you capture genuine laughter by doing that, which is actually really nice. But no that one knows really it's nice. no one knows it's because this guy said courgette, carrot, <laughs> lettuce. Or I think he said the five same vegetables. Like that he, he only could think of carrot or oh, something. Oh, clever. So I got that from another photographer. She did that. And I was like, that's brilliant. I'll, I'll take that from you. Oh my God. And you can play with that. So you can be like five favorite pieces of furniture. Not furniture. <laughs> five favorite Door. dishes. Toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I've strayed away from the whole wedding industry anyway, because yeah. there's not, it's kind of the same thing every time. Yeah. And I find it's not as creative. Boring! Not, yeah, I find it's not that creative. So, no, but it's, but you did Rhiannon's wedding. I did. That was awesome, because you we went were in Greece. Greece. Yeah. And that was different, because they split it over three days. Um, it was super cinematic, because they're all about, like, you know, they want it, like, big and, like, fireworks and stuff. Like, it was just awesome. So, and they were really chill with it, you know, like, I think it was pretty much half day shooting across the three days yeah um and a lot of like just chilling with them and getting to know them and their family and friends um the swimming of course like just trekking on obviamente obviamente <laughs> yeah oh okay right what question should i ask you now um that was good hmm? that was really good yeah well done i should need to worry about you um Well done. What other tricks besides the, the like the vegetables that you've got? Well, I don't want to. I'm not really into the wedding industry, so I don't want to keep banging on about. Yeah, don't talk about it. Too oh, much. I, let's talk about who inspired you. Cut out the parts where you go, oh, my ex. <laughs> it, I was not. In, I was not the reason you made that decision. <laughs> oh, you like to think that. You were. You were like half the reason. Love makes up a crazy thing. No, crazy thing. Crazy, crazy thing. thing. <laughs> Um, should we talk about who inspires you and then we'll go and then I've got a couple more questions and then we can wrap it up Sam called your idol he was yeah for sure alright we can we can okay. start so who would who or what inspires you where do you draw your inspiration what, what is your pool of inspiration pool <laughs> um, basically I think I started with I loved always loved Christopher Nolan's mo movies. I think it's quite cliche. Like everyone loves his movies, but yeah. I just absolutely love them. He's but, my favorite. But director. I love them more than but everyone I love else. More than everyone else <laughs> loves them. Yeah, like I super fan right here. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> yeah, no, I I've completely like I'm in awe with everything he creates. Um, like Interstellar, I think is probably one of my favorite films. That is really well filmed. Yeah, it's just just everything about it, like the storyline as well, like the. It's how he makes something so complex and also the whole physics behind Interstellar was so interesting like learning how you know they the physics behind it and the relativity they included and also the fact that the black hole they showed in the film was actually generated as what a black hole would look like like it they had a whole uh, that's fascinating like a world famous physicist like it was made for equations and a rendering and it's actually how it would look like the movements and the shape of it does this link back to your love of Matthew Matthew McConaughey's it does. voice? That's when I fell in love with Matthew. That's when I fell in love. <laughs> Matthew. Um, yeah, but then apart from him, I've, I've taken a lot of inspiration from initially Sam Calder. Um, mm. I think everyone's always been inspired by him, especially when you start you know the filmmaking journey, because you kind of start on Instagram and YouTube, and that's where he's sort of king. Yeah. Um, especially in the travel industry, and he makes everything just look so awesome and so hyped. That's why everyone's always tried to jump in the travel industry at the beginning. I think, um, but he was a huge inspiration and he continues to inspire me. Like the videos he puts out are constantly like sort of breaking the boundaries of mm. the sort of transitions and all of that. Would you get a 10 hour coach to have a coffee with him? I, yeah, I'd go to New Zealand to have a coffee and with him. Yeah, by coach, <laughs> by boat. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. Like, I'd love to meet that guy. He's awesome. But um, yeah, I think he's in Hawaii right now or something. Like did I think you, he actually lives there, so. Did you ever think about um, having a YouTube channel? I've been told, like, I, I thought about it a few times, and I've been told um, to make a YouTube channel to just talk about, like, gear and, like, maybe editing and just maybe stuff that people would like to know. But I don't know, I've never, I can't speak in front of a camera. I've never been good with it. It's ironic, like, but I guess that's why I'm behind the camera. I just don't like being in front of it. Yeah. So, like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, maybe in the future, maybe, but I also don't feel like I, I have a voice yet to speak about stuff. like. I've only I mean, been like a couple of years in the industry like yeah fair so. enough and I guess sometimes 
I know with my like writing and stuff for mm. my like my articles and things people always say it's better to have quality rather than quantity yeah. and have a fewer better pieces um, and if you've only been in the industry for a couple of years maybe it is worth waiting and um, what's it called um, not mastering your trade I don't know your craft Crop mastering your craft a bit more I don't know yeah no, for sure like um, yeah I mean my whole point is that the reason I haven't done it yet is because I don't I don't feel like I have the necessary the, the enough experience to talk about everything in the industry at all like I mean but you're always like, learning but even like um, a YouTube channel where you just put your videos up not, yeah. not, not so much like videos oh, of yeah, you being like yeah. hi guys me again <laughs> today I'm talking about <laughs> how I <laughs> yeah I do I do have a YouTube channel but it was mainly just to upload the videos so I had a platform to embed videos yeah. into website and stuff so yeah. I don't really publicly say, say this is my oh, go to my YouTube channel go to my YouTube channel <laughs> yeah I don't peace do that if he's peace peace, peace. <laughs> <laughs> nah I don't do that um, yeah it's just a place for me to have to be able to embed videos on my website but okay. now I use Vimeo so I don't really have a reason to have a YouTube channel at the moment Everyone's but, yeah. on Vimeo these days. Well, Vimeo is just yeah, <laughs> yeah, Vimeo vloggers. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Would you say the camera makes a huge difference to the outcome of the photo? Do you think it's the camera that makes the shot that makes the difference to the shot, or mm. you as a photographer? Yeah, so I think there's a bit of both, really, because um, I mean, f films have been shot with iPhones, so yeah. um, and they've been great films; they've been award-winning, but not necessarily for the photographer for the photography aspect like mm. so I think there's a mis people are very black and white with it people are saying like you don't need gear it's all about storytelling it's all about how you use your gear but I think that's very like limiting because you can tell a better story visually and probably easier with a more updated gear and you know higher resolution gear than you can with old like what's the point of using old gear if you don't have to like I think that a lot of people like you know when 4k came around yeah and 4k tvs 4k monitors like viewing a lot of people are like oh, there's no point for 4k like not enough things you know you can't even view 4k on most things but i think if we always thought about that in every aspect of the industry nothing moves forward it's like what's the point because like the whole thing like what's the point of viewing 4k because our tvs can't view 4k well it just pushes manufacturers of tvs to then make 4k tvs and then like then you can and it's the same now like 8k is coming out on some cameras no way um, yeah 8k yes, is, right. is becoming like huge and yeah again the same attitudes being had like what's the point of 8k it's like we can't even view 8k and i'm like well, why not if the industry is trying to progress why why hinder that um and i think that people have that same attitude with gear and they say why, why do you need that it's all about the storytelling but um i think gear helps a lot um one when you're shooting because it just gives you greater flexibility greater control um and like greater like the specific like specs like terms and cameras like dynamic range and iso and low light performance that the newer gear give you you know easier easier use of it and are better at that that you can maybe shoot um in the pitch black at night and it would look far better and it gives you then greater like flexibility of when to shoot and all of that sort of stuff but then i also agree that you can give a 60 grand camera to someone who has no clue what to do with it or how to light a scene or how to shoot a scene and he will make it look like it was shot with a two grand camera so you do need to know what you're doing behind it and know how to use your gear um, and it's just basically by taking all the potential out of whatever you use like I think for example I've shot with a DSLR for a lot of my projects which a lot of people frown upon but you can get a lot out of a DSLR like I've had some filmmakers um, say oh was that shot with a red um, and I'm like no it was shot with a DSLR it's two grand not 15 grand and they were quite surprised but um, like you would be able to tell the difference if it was sh if it was shown on like a big TV but mm. because you, everyone's viewing stuff on their phones you can make a DSLR look like it was shot on a cinema camera with the right color grading exposure time of shooting um, and settings and all of that so I think it's not as black and white as people see everything you, oh, okay. you need to have a mix of both Interessante. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry if that was rambling. No, 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 it was really interesting. Um, the way that you edit the videos with music is oh, really yeah. impressive. Would you say that your musical ability really helps with this side of things? Um, or do you think that anyone can do that? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. 
Yeah, for sure. My, well, my mum is a professional pianist. Oh, well, used to be anyway. She does like private cool. lessons now. I didn't know that. You didn't? Yeah, no. we have like a grand piano downstairs and everything. Like Where? You can see it later if you want, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a whole piano room. Okay. Two pianos um, downstairs. We have two pianos, yeah. One is electric. Like, like now you're boasting. Now I'm boasting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so I think I always like started learning. You know, my mum taught me piano when I was very young and... Um, like it just introduced me to the whole music world and I've always loved music like I've been made fun of sometimes because you know when you can see what your friends are listening to on Spotify yeah and I'm always listening to a stupid soundtrack and you get someone like Joe and he's just like why are you listening to Hans Zimmer or whatnot and I'm just like they're making fun of me so but get, I just love get more cultured Joe get more cultured yeah well, what's he listening to like Eminem know, Eminem or Drake or something Drake yeah but no like um, I've always just been so fascinated by sound- soundtracks and the Sometimes even more so than the film. Mm. Um, yeah, and just the emotion that you can sort of create with music. And I think that's probably the music chosen for a project is probably 80% of the final outcome, the way it makes someone feel, um, how it makes everything look. And also um, being able to cut to music yeah. is incredibly like useful. And it's something that I think some people have to learn. I, I was very lucky because I think I had music involved in my whole life. I was in choir and I learned a couple of instruments. The scola. The scola. The scola. <laughs> like, and I learned a couple of instruments. So I had this sort of, I guess, I don't even, don't even know what to call it. Like maybe rhythm that like I could maybe an, cut to. An innate music, music ability. Yeah, perhaps. Music ability? Musical. Yeah, music ability, yeah. Music ability. Yeah, maybe, like, perhaps, yeah. Like, and then, so I always found it easy and always wanted to cut to the music because mm. I felt that it would just blend the visuals to the music a lot better I feel some people had to learn it and some people don't and I feel it's quite like psychological it's quite like subconscious really like I'm not I kind of just do it as I'm editing like I say oh this would work well with this yeah um, maybe I could put a sound effect here because there's and a gap in the music and just sort of trial and error see yeah. what fits exactly yeah nice. and when to speed up a clip and whatnot. so trial and error I think and you learn more the more you edit yeah. the more effects you can do with it mm. and stuff yeah so my last um, couple of questions are mm. number one what does success look like to you oh dear um, just being able to do what I love for the rest of my life without having to necessarily be worried about losing all my jobs and houses and stuff like how many houses do you yeah, have I don't have houses <laughs> I would have been worried to lose like like yeah. I don't know when I'm older and I yeah. have a family I don't want to worry about you know losing like sort of that like be basically going bankrupt I don't want to worry about that so sort of financial stability yeah financial stability and what I love to do that's yeah. pretty much it yeah and um what would you say is the best advice you've ever heard I love this question because then I get advice oh man I actually don't know let me let's take a little thing? break yeah little break it is a hard one I don't know what I'd say actually but people come out with good stuff actually spend money to make money yeah yeah that's a good one actually yeah spend money to have rich dad poor oh we can't go into rich dad poor dad the podcast will be just like four we don't hours have, you don't have it'll to be four rich hours long yeah, yeah I know, <laughs> if we start talking. talking about rich dad poor dad spend money to make money is good use that, that is, one use that yeah. one there's a book called rich dad poor dad which basically is this man describing his upbringing from his own dad who was poor dad and his friend's dad who was rich dad mm. who and the way that his his dad how can I articulate this his dad wasn't necessarily poor but his is all a mental game right so yeah. his dad was poor in the mind like he would hold on to his money save it um, and live frugally to save money for pension and then live frugally during your pension whereas rich dad he had a different view on money and instead of working for money he made money work for himself so rather than save it you'd invest it um, and basically spend money to make money so I think that's the best bit of advice I've been given by well reading the book I just it kind of stuck with me this whole spend money to make money it's all about investing in yourself and in your craft at the beginning like you know at the beginning I was investing you know thousands and like even now like i'm looking at getting a new camera which is worth like over six thousand pounds um but like ultimately this will make you more money because you could charge a higher day rate provide a better better service better production value yeah and um so it makes back his money um and also you can rent out the camera for example and make more money when it's not being used but yeah so it's all about this idea about spend money to make money 
um, because I think the worst thing you can do with it is save it where it basically does nothing and collects dust until you mm-hmm. reach it in the future. But and this is the same thing with with not not getting caught up working at like M and S like you were doing um, in like certain industries you can't progress without spending money to, mm. to make more money and there's always a risk involved like it's far it's a, there's a far greater risk than spending money to make money than saving money you know you can easily save money and you, you know that money will go nowhere but um, that's there's a risk involved with spending money but the outcome is far better in my opinion amazing thank yeah. you so much for being oh, on no my worries. podcast thanks for having me about time did you have a nice time very nice time very good very good <laughs>